The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Everyone tries to work away from Daryl Green. Daryl Green takes the best receiver, so they try and go to work on Martin Mayhew. You can do it once. They got him the first time on that out now, but you're not going to get him on that kind of pattern. He is going to get his share. Tommy, that was the 1991 Washington-Dallas game at RFK Stadium when the Skins came in 11-0. The Cowboys were in their first you know, legitimate competitive season with Jimmy Johnson, and Martin Mayhew started off the game with that interception return that gave Washington a 7-0 lead. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that game. Many of you remember that game um, here in a moment. But Martin Mayhew is in the mix. I did a podcast yesterday. I did a short podcast because I figured people were, for the most part, consuming the inauguration day um, festivities by television, um, and that you know they'd want something short. So I did a little bit on Herney yesterday, and then of course, right when I was done, the Mayhew uh, news broke, which is typical um, that Martin Mayhew is going to be potentially a part of the organization as well with Marty Herney. Now, the net of it is. I don't know how it's going to play out in terms of Herney's role or Mayhew's role. Understand this, though. Washington as a front office has been very understaffed compared to the rest of the league. You've had here since Ron Rivera was hired, Ron Rivera and basically Kyle Smith and Rob Rogers. Many other teams have more senior VPs. They've got a GM. They've got an assistant GM. They've got a vice president of player personnel. So they've been understaffed at the front. Um, I have found it interesting, Tommy, that a lot of people have been underwhelmed and seem very disappointed by the Herney and even Mayhew mentions. Herney's overall record as a general manager, 107 and 121, with just four playoff seasons 
seasons in 15 years, four uh, better than 500 seasons in 15 years. Mayhew's run as a GM in Detroit, which spanned 2008 to 2015, his record or his team's records, 47 and 81. Um, with just two seasons above 500, both of those seasons were playoff seasons. He did draft Matt Stafford, um, just uh, as a reminder to people. Um, but Martin Mayhew was a really good player um, for uh, the Skins during uh, some very productive years, including on the team that I think is the greatest Washington team of all time, the 91 team. And I think, you know, very debatably, one of the greatest teams, period, in the Super Bowl era. Um, that year, playing opposite Mayhew did of Daryl Green. Um, but anyway, what are your thoughts about you know not just Herney but Mayhew? Well, my my the reaction I've gotten from fans, the, they seem like excited about Mayhew in a way. Look, I think that part of it's what's going on here is he's he's a he played for the football team, and I think fans automatically think that's a good thing. Some. I've gotten a different think, reaction. Really? Because my reaction has been, oh, this is great. An old uh, Washington football player coming back to work for the team. They automatically assume that's going to somehow translate into success. Now, that is tempered, of course, with of all the teams he, he, he could have run, he ran arguably the worst franchise in football in the past 60 years. And that's the, the, the Detroit Lions, uh, and that certainly goes against it. But uh, you've had again, better seasons in Washington. It, but it, but still, they haven't done anything and gone anywhere since 1957. Now that's a long time uh, to not have a championship. I know, you know, Detroit has had some years when they've been better than Washington football. But uh, I remember, I mean. Uh, you know, this this is the franchise that at one time went 0 and 16 under Joe Barry, and then uh, Washington hired him <laughs> to be the defensive coordinator. So I think fans automatically recoil against any connection with Detroit. But mine mine has been more positive than yours, I guess. The reaction I've gotten because he's an ex Washington football player. You know, when they went 0 and 16, which was Mayhew's first year as a GM, you know who they ended that long losing streak against? The Jim Zorn Washington Redskins. When <laughs> they right. when they when they beat Washington in the uh, at Ford Field or the Silverdome, whatever it was in 2009, um, they beat them 1914, and it was That's just right. like you you've got to be kidding, Tommy, Tommy. That was the year. That was the year that followed the Rams game, the week that I asked Zorn before the Detroit game, which was had been winless. You know, they'd gone 0-16 the year before. They were 0-2 that year. And they had beaten the Rams 9-7, to I think it was. And I asked him the question when we were sitting there doing the Jim Zorn show, you know, are you concerned uh, about your, you know, your job status? And he, <laughs> and he looked at you like you had two heads. Oh, my God. He was so pissed. Yes. He was so pissed. And we won. What are you talking about? We, we Yeah, we won, we won the game. And I remember, you know, during the break afterwards, I said, look, I'm sorry, but that's a question that around here with this owner um, has to be asked. Um, you know, the, 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 the win 
you're one and one and you're playing the Lions. And if you lose to the Lions, you know, I, this owner has been incredibly impulsive, you know, in the past. Um, and, well, you know, he learned. He, he he certainly learned. By the end of that year, he was like a groupie on our show. <laughs> he was a groupie. He was a sports fix groupie, and he wouldn't leave when he when he did our when the spot. I know we've talked about it before, but it was so true. He would stick around, and then during breaks, he would ask us questions about what yeah. we were talking about, and and that was during the the uh, the, the the stretch where you know he was forced to comply um was was the word that clearly came up in his conversations with his lawyer uh in the language and um he knew he was gone because they brought in the bingo caller and and that was it um and then you know he obviously he never said this to me he obviously learned that the question wasn't out of line you know, after week two, that it was they they were counting down the days until they could get yes. rid of him. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, back to Mayhew. I, I think so. I said this on the podcast yesterday. I'll I'll say it to you. I I think that for me, first of all, I'm not alarmed about any of this. Uh, Ron Rivera in the first year has built up enough trust with me that I, I don't mind him hiring people that he's comfortable with. So that's why I don't mind Herney, despite his record, you know, overall record of being 14 games below 500 and, you know, everything else. It's a subpar resume. It really is. Even though I think a lot of people in Carolina give Herney credit for the three-year run 2013, 14, and 15 when they won division titles and they went 15-1 and one and won the Super Bowl, they did that on the backs of his drafts primarily, even though he wasn't the act. GM at the time. Uh, Mayhew was, you know, a former player, but it's not like he's a former legend, you know, in the organization. It's not like you're, you know, you're bringing back Theisman or you're bringing back Sonny or you're bringing back Dexter or you're bringing back Art Monk or Daryl Green to be the general manager. Now, Martin Mayhew was a, a Washington football player. He was a skin um, during that 91 season um, and he's been a GM before. I think, you know, they're trying to complete a front office that looks like an NFL office, and Herney's familiar, and Mayhew, I know, is very much a friend of Doug Williams. You know, and I don't know what kind of influence Doug Williams has in the organization anymore. Doug Williams, I think his title was always greater than his actual influence, which was a shame to a certain uh, degree. Um, but Doug Williams is still in the organization, and, and you know, Doug and Mayhew were, were teammates, you know, in 1989, Mayhew's first year. But I think the bottom line is that my reaction anyway, my feeling is that a lot of people have essentially said two things. One, can't they do better than two guys with, you know, well below 500 records? And I think there's also, Tommy, the concern that they're going to lose the next young, you know, McVay, LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan that's going to go on to greater uh, heights somewhere else, and that Kyle Smith is that. You know, so I think there's, you know, some concern that Smith wasn't, wasn't even interviewed um, to be a part of this. My, my guess is, by the way, especially with the Mayhew edition, and the fact that they also interviewed Eric Stokes, who is already on the staff, I don't think Kyle Smith is going to be with this organization. Whether it's this week, next week, or two months from now, I think he'll end up in San Francisco or he'll end up in Los Angeles with Sean. Both Sean and Kyle like Kyle, uh, Kyle Smith a lot. But I just don't really 
I'm not worked up over it one way or the other. It's like, you know, the bottom line is get a quarterback and keep the owner out of it. You know, if you can get a quarterback and you can keep the owner's hands off any football decisions, you're going to have a chance to be so much better off than than you've been over the last two decades. So, you know, Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, JoJo Wooden, you know, um, Ryan Cowdson, all these different names, most of you listening have no idea what these people are capable of or not capable of. And I would also mention this, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, and I think, Tommy, you will agree with me on this. You know, if you think that, like, the real hot guy um, is going to pick Washington over another place, it still has a stigma, people. Okay, the league still understands that as long as Snyder is the owner here, it's not a desirable landing spot. There are many better spots, regardless of the team's young talent and even the head coach. So I just don't have a problem with any of this. I think Ron's, you know, earned some trust with me. Again, making it very simple, get a damn quarterback and keep the owner out of it. Do those two things and we got a real shot. We got a real shot, whether it's two guys named Marty and Martin or two other guys. Ron's in charge. This is the Kansas City, Seattle, New England model. Okay, they're all reporting to Ron. And anyway, that's the way I feel. You know, here's if you're if you're a Washington football fan, here's what you've got to weigh, because this is the limited information you have. You have the track records of both of these guys which is not impressive. You have to weigh that against like what you have described, your trust in Ron Rivera. I mean, that's all you've got. Look, people, fans are excited about Kyle Smith for two reasons. One, he's A.J. Smith's son. Second, a lot of media members have mentioned his name before. That's the only reason they even know about Kyle Smith. Right. They don't know anything else about I don't know how good he is, you know? So if, if you know, if, 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 if media members start typing a guy's name repeatedly, then fans will get excited about it. You know, they'll say, well, he must be pretty good. He's in the paper or he's on the radio. <laughs> people, people keep mentioning his name. I, I think, I think a lot of you people, know? I think a lot of people in the fan base, um, do a lot of their own research too. I mean, it's it's a different age, you know. I mean, it has been for a while now. I mean, all of that information's that's, out that's there. I mean, I, I have people research. I have people sending me even before it's reported by anybody. Uh, don't go get this guy. I mean, this is his record. This is and they've gone through every single pick and free agent move. Um, you know, by the way, it, that doesn't that means something. I'm not saying that somebody's track record doesn't mean a lot. It does. I'm going to make a weird comparison, and it's not apples to apples, but it's, it's, it's the first thing that comes to my mind here. Actually, that, that's disingenuous because I mentioned it to Ben Standig on a phone call last night, but I haven't mentioned it on the show. Um, I, I, it came to my mind last night as Ben and I were having a conversation about a couple of things. And I just said, you know, like in basketball, there are a million guys out there, Tommy, that are really good shooters. And most of those guys will never, ever see an NBA game or an NBA roster, but they're totally capable. 
if they had been the guy that got drafted or was an underdrafted free agent and it was on the right team with the right coach, with the right point guard or, or the right stars, to be the John Paxson or Steve Kerr or Tim Legler, you know, uh, it, it, move, look, Kerr and Paxson were really good players, but there, there are guys that, that sh- there are shooters out there that never got a shot at the NBA that were college players. And by the way, there were high school players that never got a shot at college that could have, all right, if it just was the right spot at the right time. And in personnel and in coaching, and even in probably some other football positions on the field. Maybe, you know, Herney and Mayhew together with Rivera is the right mix. Here's the one thing that I think Rivera's got a good sense of, which, by the way, his owner does not. And that is, what's the right fit for me? You know, Jay Gruden could never get, uh, you know, Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder to get the right fit for him because they didn't understand football. You know, they didn't really understand what was the right fit for him. Um, Ron Rivera has the ability to create the right mix, the right dynamic, and it might be right for them. It might be better for Herney, and it might be better for for Mayhew. Like they, Mayhew may not have, Herney may not have gotten another shot. There's only one guy that may have given him a shot, and it's Rivera because they've worked together and they understand each other. And Rivera trusts Herney, and Herney trusts Rivera, and they know what each other's looking for. And they did have some success together, you know. And Herney doesn't get credit for some of the success, the bigger successful years that that Rivera had. Anyway, I'm just rambling here. I'm just not going to get upset about it. I know what's crucial. I know the only way this franchise has a long run of success is if the owner keeps his hands out of it. And ultimately, even with a good man like Rivera, who's a good coach in my opinion, they're going to have to find the quarterback answer. Do those two things, and it really doesn't matter which Marty or Martin they hire. I agree with that. I got to ask you, though, uh, your analogy of the shooter at the right place at the right time. You're talking about you, aren't you? <laughs> I knew you were going with that. No, I'm not. You're talking I'm not. About I'm you, not. I, I, you no, are. you know, no, I'm not. I, 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 you know, Tim Legler and I had this conversation. I remember having this conversation with Legler over the, it was, it's in the last year. And, and I've said to him, you know, you could have been Paxson or Kerr. And he's like, you're 100% right. It's all right place, right time, because there were a lot of us that could really shoot it, that could have been the guy playing off Jordan and Pippen, that could have been the guy spotting up in the corner, knocking down threes off of the defense's focus on those two great players. And, it, Tommy, it's so true. There are so many guys in the NBA that can really shoot it, but really – there are, you know, for every one of those guys, there are another thousand of those guys that could have been that guy, but they your were honor, just the guy. Your honor, your honor. Yeah. The witness, uh, can I treat the witness as a hostile witness because <laughs> he's avoiding answering the question? It's, it, no. I, look, I've told you before, 
I was a I played high school basketball. I became a much better basketball player after high school, and I did get D three offers and could have played Division three college basketball, and I would have been very much sort of that kind of a player. But by the way, before the three pointer was even in college, or right around the time that it came in. But I but I was at Maryland, and Maryland was cheap, and it's what my parents could afford, and D three wasn't scholarship. But but I I, I was I was one finish. of the, I, did you ever consider walking on trying to walk on at Maryland? No, I wasn't. And no, no, I was nowhere near good enough. I had two friends of mine, really good friends of mine that I played with that that were really close to making it as a walk on. You know, Scott nearly made it as a walk on for Lefty. Um, you know, Scott six 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 seven, and Scott could really right. shoot it too. But no, 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 I was not at that level. I could have definitely been a D3 college basketball player, but not necessarily at a high school, Tommy. I was a late developer physically. I was 5'9 my junior year in high school and then 6'3 my senior year in high school. I basically grew like five, six inches over the summer between my junior and senior year. I was like the kid, the last kid to get hair under my arms, and you know, I was the last kid to shave. I physically was a late developer, but but by the time I got to my sophomore year in college, I was physically mature then, and I was um, and I was a good, I was always a good basketball player, but uh, but I was physically mature enough to to play at you know like a d3 level um but i but i it was too late then you know and there were a lot of reasons family related reasons that i couldn't that i wouldn't have been able to do that but anyway um my point back to um the you know the the fit is you just never know like their records look they've got resumes and long time resumes so it probably does speak to some level of who they are but again, I'm I'm just going to trust in Rivera, and I'm going to trust that he can figure that's, out the dynamic. That's the other side of it. The other, that's the and look, like you said, I mean Washington has a reputation that's not going to attract a lot of people. Plus, it's clear that at least the perception is, you know, if you take Snyder out of the equation, for the most part, Rivera is in charge of the football decision. So any general manager who's the next hot shot. It's not going to come to a place where the coach is the top decision maker. They want to be the top decision maker. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, it, one of the reasons in addition to it still having a stigma as an organization, even though it's changing a little bit because they people see the upside of the talent, et cetera. Um, but as long as Snyder's here, that's going to be an absolute no-no for, for, for several people. But to your point, if you can't come in and be the top guy, but you're actually going to be reporting to the Rivera coach-centric model, you know, the Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid model, you know, that's not for everybody either. So no. I, I, let me also just make clear, I, I don't really have a sense of what it will be. You know, Chris Russell was on with me this morning. He's actually been talking about Mayhew, even with the Herney stuff for a while. And he said it's very possible that Mayhew gets the GM title and Herney gets some sort of other title. Or it's, you know, possible that Herney, I mean, you know, you, you know, Russell might give you 15 different possibilities uh, and then claim, hey, I got it right. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I, uh, he did throw out that as a no, possibility. You're not, you're not kidding. He did throw that kidding. out as a possibility. You weren't kidding. So, at all. um, 
I don't know how it will work, but anyway, I'm not, I'm just not going to get, guys, there's so much more to get worked up over. Like you have Rivera right now as the top guy in the organization. He's proven after a year that he, that it's at least worth giving him another year as you know, to, to, to continue to make, make this an improved situation. And the two keys are Snyder stays out of it and you find a quarterback. Um, and speaking of that quarterback, I want to get to that next because I spoke briefly about a quote in the Jeremy Fowler story on Deshaun Watson yesterday. And then I put out a poll this morning on Twitter that I want to share with you. But before we, we break um, for our first break of the show, a lot of you enjoy when we find some of these old, you know, Pat Summerall, John Madden sound clips. You know, in in watching the Mayhew interception from that game, because I remembered that Mayhew had a big year in 91. It was a good year. He ended up having 21 career um, interceptions, uh, 13 of which were Washington uh, interceptions. He was on the ni- uh, 89 team, 90 team, and 91 team, and 92 team here. Four years here, four years in Tampa. So he was on three teams that went to the postseason. The 89 team, by the way, was a 10-6 and six team that didn't go to the postseason. Um, but Mayhew was a good corner in the NFL. He really was, and he, you know, he had the benefit of playing opposite Daryl Green. But in watching some of this game last night, Tommy, on YouTube, in finding the Mayhew pick six against the Cowboys, I also found the introduction to this game. Listen to Summerall and Madden talk about remember they were 11 and 0 going into this game Washington was they were undefeated they were the best team in football they were coming off back to back amazingly Im- impressive wins um, over uh, the Falcons at, at RFK. They beat the Falcons in the rain 56-17, to and that's the game where Mark Rippon set the franchise record with six touchdown passes in a game. Then they had gone to Pittsburgh and won 41-14. They were 11-0 coming home against the Cowboys. The 72 Dolphins were sweating it out. Um, and this was an upstart. This was Johnson's first good team. The Cowboys were six and five and they were battling for a playoff spot and just listen to the way, um, Summerall and Madden sort of bring you into RFK for the opener. Nothing quite like it. RFK stadium in Washington. And it's especially different and especially exciting when the Dallas Cowboys come to town to play the Washington Redskins. I'm Pat Summerall here with John Madden and all the talk in this town and pretty much around the country is the Redskins and their undefeated record. Can they continue, I guess, is the big question. And I think they can, and I think a big reason is this guy right here, Joe Gibbs. He always has a motivator. He always gives them a reason they have to win. Today they have to win to clinch a division. He remembers what it is. He says we have to stop Emmett Smith. We can't let Troy Aikman beat us. But if we win today, we can clinch our division. That guy standing next to him, Mark Rippon, on a hot streak as the Cowboys will kick off to the Redskins. No surprise that RFK has sold out. It has been for a long, long time. And this rivalry is something special to both teams. 
I love hearing that stuff, you know, and I always, I always yearn for the day that like this weekend, Washington can be, you know, in the Fox, one of the, the, the two big championship games with the hype that goes with it. A lot of you always love hearing the summer all stuff in particular with Madden before a big game against the Cowboys or the Giants or the Eagles or, or the Niners or whatever. Um, but there was one more thing that I found from this game, Tommy, because this is, this is a game – uh, that's a famous game um, because this Washington lost this game. It was their first loss of the 91 season. They lost to the Cowboys 24-21, so the perfect season ended. And it really ended because of one play more than any other. At the end of the first half, in a 7-7 game, the only seven points Washington had was that Mayhew interception return that we played coming in. But at the end of the half, with the Cowboys you know, potentially being able to kick a field goal at the Skins 35-yard line, you'll hear the call of the Hail Mary pass to Alvin Harper, um, Summerall and Madden obviously on the call, and this was really the biggest play in the game. And for all intents and purposes, this is the play that maybe prevented Washington from going not just 16 and 0, but 19 and 0. Here it is. You know, and here this is the third time in the first half that the Cowboys are going for it on fourth down. Their choice is to kick a field goal. It would have been a 51-yard field goal. I think they want to get a first down and then maybe go for the field goal. But they're out of timeouts. Here is Aikman back to throw it. Going to take a Hail Mary shot. Touchdown! Alvin Harper out of the pack. That was that. Cowboys went on to win the game 24-21. You know, Tommy, in that game, and I had forgotten this, Troy Aikman got hurt in that game for the Cowboys. Steve Berline came in, finished up the game, finished up the season for them. Um, they they finished 11-5. and Berline, as the starter for Aikman, won the final four games. They went into the postseason um, beat the, the Bears in the wild card round and then lost to the Lions, who eventually played the Skins in the NFC title game. Washington went on to win their final four games, uh, or the f- next three games, and then basically didn't play their starters for most of the final game of the year against the Eagles. But if they had beaten the Cowboys and they were going for 16-0, and against the Eagles, I think they would have played their starters and won that game. And it may have been... You know the 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 Dolphins, the seventy-two Dolphins equivalent plus two games. I I really believe without that hail mary to Alvin Harper, Washington probably goes sixteen and zero and then nineteen and zero. You're probably right. Uh, doesn't it always? Now, do you have the impression? I mean, this may be wishful thinking on, you know, just from listening to it. But don't you always get the impression that Madden loved RFK? Oh my God. Madden Madden loved RFK. Summerall loved RFK. You know, yeah. there my, my um I'll play this in a in a future podcast, but the final game at RFK, there's a tribute paid to RFK by by Fox, who was doing the game, uh, final game, which was um December of '96. It was a very disappointing game because I was at that game. I was too, as a fan. Um, you were there as as a media member. Um, Washington had lost to Arizona the previous week, which knocked him out of the postseason because the truth that game was supposed to be a game for the division title, the last game at RFK, and it wouldn't have been the last game at RFK because Washington would have hosted a playoff game. But it was December twenty second, nineteen. 
1996, Washington again that particular year. Um, that was the last year at RFK, and they had lost, you know, a, I think it was Kevin Butler at the gun the week before in Arizona, which was a crushing defeat because Arizona wasn't even that good. And Washington blew a chance to play for the division against the Cowboys in their final regular season game at RFK. So that game was meaningless, but it was electric that day in that stadium. It was so memorable for me. I was not one of the people that brought tools to to cut out my chair and my seat and bring it home with me and I didn't run out onto the field and 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 dig up some dirt to take with me. I know some people that did, but god was that an electric atmosphere at RFK and the the Madden Summerall tribute to RFK was fantastic. I'll find it and and play it one day. Um th- they loved I mean, it was the place. It it had more yeah. for those guys as a team, Madden and Summerall, and they became a team together in 81 after Brookshire, uh, Brookshire and Summerall were the team in the 70s. They probably called more big-time games at RFK than any other stadium. It would be RFK, it would be Soldier Field, it would be Candlestick Park, and it would be Texas Stadium, you know, and maybe the Meadowlands. Yeah. That, that was the and list. Didn't... Didn't Madden work with Gibbs at one point yeah, early it, in their careers? They did, and they were all good friends. You know, Madden and John Robinson were childhood friends, and Robinson, Gibbs, and Madden were all very friendly and had worked together. Yeah, yeah. So you you always had that. Um, but anyway, that 91 team, to me, and I've debated this with Doc and Theismann and Rigo and Jacoby and even B. Mitch. B. Mitch agrees with me because he was on the 91 team. Um, that's the greatest Redskin team of all time for me. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't even think it's close. They were the but best. The competition is, ironically, the 83 team that lost the Super Bowl. That's true because that was the best offensive team that they had, but the best combined team was 91. It was. I know that. Yeah. The 83 team that lost to the Raiders. The next best, they'll tell you the 83 team. There's no doubt that Theismann believes that that 83 team was the best team he played on, and it was offensively, no doubt. It, the problem was defensively, it had this incredible, you know, plus 42 turnover margin, which was incredible and is still an NFL record, I'm pretty sure. But they gave up so many points and yards during that year. Remember, their two losses during the regular season were losses to the Cowboys 31 to 30 and to the Packers on Monday Night Football 48 to 47. Oh, yeah. I you remember. know, they gave up 38 in the Super Bowl to the Raiders. They just. They really weren't a good defense. They were a playmaking defense, and they made a lot of plays, and they created a lot of turnovers, which was awesome. But they were also vulnerable to giving up big points and big yards. And offensively, though, um, that they set the scoring mark that year. You know, for the time, um, and it was such a good team offensively, such a good team. All right, uh, we've got other topics to get to, and we will do so right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Tommy, yesterday I mentioned um, this story that Jeremy Fowler wrote about the Deshaun Watson situation on on ESPN.com. It was a really thorough story. I actually had him on the radio show, so if you missed that this morning, you can go to radio.com and uh, download the uh, the Team 980 app um, and listen to it, or download the radio.com app and listen to it on the Team 980. Um, he was really good. Um, we talked a lot about the quarterback situation just around the NFL, but um, as part of this story, he had potential destinations for Deshaun Watson. The Jets and the Dolphins would be the favorites, but the other three teams were Carolina, Chicago, and Washington. And he had a quote from an NFC executive that read as follows, quote, regarding Washington, I think they will be involved in the QB sweepstakes in a big way. They know they are close, close quote. Um, of course, uh, channeling their, uh, their inner Bruce Allen um, with the they know they are close. Well, they're clearly closer than they were with Bruce Allen. But the fact I asked Fowler this morning, do you really think they're going to be involved in going after a big-time quarterback? And he said, I do. That's what I'm hearing. But then you start to consider, and I, we started to go through all of the possibilities. I go, you know, Deshaun Watson, and he said, well, the Jets and the Dolphins would be the favorite. But he agrees with me that um, Watson is not going to be made available, that ultimately they'll figure it out in Houston with Nick Casario as the GM, and they'll make it right. You just don't trade Deshaun Watson's. You know, it just doesn't happen. Um, and he agrees with me that it won't happen. But so we started to like go down like the list of of quarterbacks and and I said, well, what about Matt Stafford? You know, and he said Matt Stafford's a possibility, but I really see him in Indy now with Philip Rivers retiring. Okay, um, what about Matt Ryan? Well, Matt Ryan's got a huge cap number for Atlanta, and it's going to be hard to trade him. Uh, okay, well, what about Jameis Winston? Well, you know, there's a lot of talk that Jameis and Sean Payton really hit it off, but you know the Saints have a anyway. You, you start going down the list of the quarterbacks, and then the teams that need quarterbacks. Like he said to me, well, Jared Goff might be available. And I said, I don't want Jared Goff. I mean, no one wants Jared Goff. And you start going down the list of teams that are going to be in the market for a quarterback. It may be the most we've seen in recent years. Ross Tucker, who was also a guest on the radio show, put out a list, He's he, and it's 17 teams, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Indy, Rams, Dolphins, Chicago, New England, Washington, Dallas, with a question mark, obviously, because I think the, you know most people believe they're going to re-sign Dak Prescott, San Francisco, Carolina, Denver, Detroit, Philly, Houston, the Jets, and Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville is going to probably draft Trevor Lawrence. Um, there's just so many teams out there that are all you know looking for a quarterback. So 
you know, Matt Stafford, I would think Indy now makes a lot of sense if Detroit wants to trade him. If Deshaun Watson were actually available, you would trade him probably to the team with the most draft capital. That's the Jets or the Dolphins, not Washington. So after, you know, circling around the whole thing, I said, you said they're going to be in the QB sweepstakes. Well, what does that mean? And he, and he came to Sam Darnold. He said, Darnold could be a really good bet, you know, with the Jets sitting there in, the, in a position to either trade for Deshaun Watson or to draft Justin Fields, Darnold might be available. You know, Darnold's a possibility because he's young. He's also a guy that's mobile and... I, th- you know, I think Darnold's pretty good. Like, I think he's got some pretty good talent. Now, what would you okay. give up? What would you give up for Darnold? I would want Stafford before Darnold, and I'd want Watson before all of them. And I'd be willing to trade everything to get Watson. Um, but I just don't think he's going to be available. But anyway, I put out a poll this morning, and I want you to respond to all this. But I just wanted to share with you the poll results. I just said, do you want Washington to go get their franchise quarterback this offseason? Yes or no? You want him to make a big move. But, you know, do you want him to be part of the quarterback sweepstakes? 2012 they were, obviously, with the trade up to get RG3. 2018, to a lesser degree, the trade for Alex Smith. In 2019, they drafted Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, with like 1,500 votes in, it's it's uh, 70, 68% yes, 31.9% no. Um I want him to be. I want him to go after well, it's it. A, it's, it's kind of a flawed poll because the, the 68%, they're all thinking about Deshaun Watson. Um, okay. They're, they're all thinking about him. So, I mean, and, and that's not going to happen. Well, maybe probably. I'll consult you before I put out tr- Twitter polls in the future. Well, look, at, uh, am I wrong? I think, I, I think you're actually right. I, 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 you know, I, I put in parentheses, do you, you know, do you want Washington football to try again, like 2012, 2018, 2019 to, you know, get their franchise quarterback this off season? Yes or no. But I think, you know, in the, the timing of it is the Deshaun Watson conversation. Yeah. I mean, that's what gets everybody excited. Understandably. So if it's me, the only quarterback that you talked about that I'm interested in, obviously besides Deshaun Watson is Matt Stafford. Yeah. If if I if I have to settle for less than Matt Stafford, then I'll keep what I got and I'll trust Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Ron Rivera to find in the third or fourth or fifth round my next quarterback. And I'll live with Kyle Allen and I'll live with Taylor Heineke uh, going into next year for a competition. Uh, it, Sam Darnold, I'm not trading a lot to get Sam Darnold. I mean, I just as soon go with Kyle Allen. Yeah, I, I've I've thought a lot about this in recent days, and I, I think that the bottom line for me is um, the, the history is there um, where, of course, you can have a really big season without an elite quarterback, without a franchise quarterback. We've seen, you know, big seasons. We haven't seen Super Bowl winners unless you want to count Peyton, count Peyton Manning's um, win with Denver. But the, the truth is, you know, Denver didn't make the playoffs the following year with that same defense and without Peyton Manning. So Peyton Manning was worth something um, that year. Um, but the bottom line is, with a great quarterback, you're in the hunt to make the playoffs every year year. You are. Now, Houston this year 
was really dysfunctional. But so if it's not every year, it's nine out of ten years. If you've got Aaron Rodgers or you've got Tom Brady or you've got Peyton Manning or if you've got Russell Wilson or if you've got Pat Patrick Mahomes, and I think Josh Allen's about to enter that category. So you have a sustained success franchise setting up if you have one of those guys. If you don't, you're not going to have sustained success. You can do what Jacksonville did a couple of years ago. You can make the AFC title game. You can do what San Francisco did uh, you know, after the 2019 season with a great defense and a phenomenal running game, but with Jimmy Garoppolo and get to a Super Bowl. Um, you can have those occasional years, but with the great quarterback, 90% of the time, you're going to be in the playoffs. You're going to be a nine-win team plus and in the playoffs. That's what Aaron Rodgers has produced. That's essentially what uh, Russell Wilson is. That's what Mahomes is going to produce. That's what you're going to get. And if you think Deshaun Watson's that guy, and I, I think he is, um, and I again, you can say, well, he was 4-12 and this year. I, I understand that. It was a very dysfunctional year for that franchise. And, by the way, I just said 9 out of 10 years. Um, so there's going to be one that you're not. But I'm going for the quarterback. I am, I'm going to get the quarterback, period. I, if I have to give up a, a shitload to get Deshaun Watson, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to sit there and hope every year that Kyle Allen or Kyle Trask – look, the, prefer, the preferred way, to your point, Tommy, the preferred way is to draft that guy. And so I'm for that. Like, if they think Kyle Trask or Mac Jones at 19 overall is the next elite quarterback, let's do it. I'm not – and by the way, Dwayne Haskins and RG3, their last two first-rounders, it's not going to dissuade me from trying again if I think the right guy exists there. But I, I, I need to go get that guy. I, I agree with you, but the, the only guy who fits that bill is Deshaun Watson. Matt Stafford used to be that guy, but you're getting him – uh, on the tail, on on the downside, maybe the early downside, but, but you're still getting him uh, on the downside. Uh, you're not certainly not going to give as much for, for, to get Matt Stafford as you would. No, uh, Matt Deshaun Stafford's Watson. a first rounder. Deshaun Watson's three first rounders, a right. second rounder, and a big time player. Um, by the that's way, that's the list to me. That's the list. It's Deshaun Watson, Matt Stafford. If if those guys aren't aren't available, then I'll I'll keep I'll stand pat. Um. Yeah, and and I'll and I'll trust Ron and yes. Scott and and Marty and Martin and Eric and anybody else if they think they've they found their answer in the draft. The good news about finding somebody in the draft is you don't have to give up anything, and they're cheap. Right. You know, for four years, and you can you know you can see. You can you can roll the dice I mean, on what's that. The, what's the point of having personnel people if they can't tell you? Yeah, that guy, uh, he he may be a third rounder, but you give him two years and he he can he can be the next. I don't know, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, the pro- the like problem that. is there have been we, many good personnel people, and the problem is is that it's one out of twenty. Um, you know, one out of system. fifty, whatever it is, before you that's you know. The system. The that's odds the are even good personnel people aren't going to find the elite quarterback. Well, what are your options if you don't trust your personnel people? No, I understand that. I'm just saying more more likely than not, they won't find him that way. Right. 
You know, what you do know is if Deshaun Watson's legitimately available, I think you should be as aggressive as possible to try to do it. Now, this is the one thing that Snyder is good at. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah, but not evaluating the player. No, but I mean, going after a Deshaun Watson, he's he's not the kind of guy who likes to get beat in that kind of game. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't want him involved. Um, first of all, it's not a contract that's required anymore. You're assuming the contract, so you don't have to worry about that. It's not a money play, and that's always what he's been best at. You know, yeah, we're, we're going to pay you more what, than anybody what, else will. Okay. And and right. and Deshaun Watson is about draft capital because you're assuming right. the contract. You're not, you're not, it's not a free agent signing. It's going to be, look, it's going to be so interesting the next couple of months on the whole quarterback front. There's so many answers for, for so many teams. And, you know, if Washington just is, you know, it takes the, the slow and steady, we're not going to mortgage the future, even if it's a lock guy that's elite, which I would disagree with. And we're going to go with, you know, Kyle, uh, we're going to go with Kyle Allen and we're going to go with Taylor Heineke and we're going to draft a guy in the third round and we're going to invest in our middle linebacker and corner and the whole thing. And we're going to try to improve from a seven win team to a 10 win team and be in the playoffs for a second straight year. And then maybe in 2022, you know, we, if we don't have the right quarterback, we'll make the move then. Okay. But just understand it, I said I've said this twice in the last two days. I think the last two podcasts with Deshaun Watson on this team or with Matt Stafford on this team, you are going to be perceived as an NFC Championship contender. Without them, you're going to be a co-favorite with the Cowboys to win the perceived worst division in the NFL. Just I think that's a fair. I think that that's that's a fair assessment. And your contention that you have to get the quarterback. Is is the right contention, and, and pointing to Jacksonville as a perfect example when they had Blake Bortles as their quarterback, they probably missed an opportunity to that, be a championship team. There's no doubt by about not it. Having a quarterback, yes. I, I mean, I've I've gone through, you know, just because this year it's Brady, Rogers, Josh Allen, Mahomes, top three. Uh, MVP candidates and the greatest of all time. It's not that way every year, but the difference is the Packers are in the hunt every year. The Bills now are going to be in the hunt every year. The Chiefs are going to be in the hunt every year. Um, the Bucks, obviously, it's a, it's a unique situation with the with Brady at the end of the career, the end of his career, going for it. What is much less. The case, but not impossible, is for the Titans to hit an inside straight and get to the AFC title game like they did last year. Or the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl without a really good quarterback. In 2018, Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl. you know, And in 2017, Bortles did, Foles did, and Keenum did. Got to the Final Four. But... You know, uh, it doesn't guarantee you're back at it like it does if you have Rodgers, Wilson, Mahomes, or I think Josh Allen, and maybe Deshaun Watson. Anyway, um, I'm going to get you on the phone because your internet is breaking up a little bit. So we're going to get to a break. I want to come back and I want to talk about Phillip Rivers a little bit, and we'll get Tommy's championship game predictions when we return right after this word from one of our sponsors. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, a couple of things to get to. We'll get Tommy's uh, championship picks. Uh, I think Mahomes is going to play Sunday. Uh, Fowler from ESPN was on with me. He thinks he's going to play. Um, there's actually a lot of interesting theories about what the injury actually was, and many people, including that Dr. David Chow guy, you know, who weighs in on all the injuries, doesn't think it right. was a concussion. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll get to that here momentarily. I, I I mentioned yesterday, and a lot of people that have listened to um, the podcast or the radio show know that I've always been a big Philip Rivers fan. There's there are a couple of you that have been very much annoyed um, by my by my infatuation of Philip Rivers. I've just always enjoyed him. I, I you know, Tommy, I mentioned this yesterday, but when he was at NC State, those were some of Ralph Regan's really good years at Maryland. And Maryland and NC State had a, some big games in the ACC. You know, it's not Ohio State, Michigan. I understand, but Maryland went down there with Scott McBrien on Philip Rivers' senior day, and back then he was just as brash as he was in the NFL. And so to beat Philip Rivers on his senior day was just such a big win. But I remember just thinking all the while, God, he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. And he was. He had a phenomenal 17-year career. Um, and he's, you know, uh, ranks fifth on the all-time yardage list, fifth on the all-time touchdown list. But uh, he never got to um, never got to a Super Bowl. And I'll ask you first, you know, um, I believe that he'll be a Hall of Famer. I said yesterday I think he's a lock first ballot, but Ross Tucker this morning reminded me that he'll be in the same class with Drew Brees. You know, we know that now. Um, and so that makes it tough. And who knows, could be in the same class with Ben Roethlisberger. We'll see what happens with Ben here. And both of those guys are going in before Philip Rivers. Totally understand that. So, and he didn't agree that he was a first ballot Hall of Famer anyway. Um, whatever. I think he's a Hall of Famer, whether it's the first ballot, second, or third, or whatever. I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Do you agree or not? Yes, I do. I don't know. Like you said, I don't. I don't particularly care about the first ballot stuff. He will be a Hall of Famer. I I think so too. I want to get to the question of of where he ranks on the list of of the quarterbacks that never made a Super Bowl. Marino's always considered to be the greatest quarterback that didn't win a Super Bowl. You know, Jim Kelly's on that list. Um, Marino's typically the guy, and I'm talking about in the Super Bowl era. You know, I, I think Sonny. You know, even though he played in the Super Bowl era, really his best years were you know, almost pre-Super Bowl era or right at the beginning of it, and he was on bad teams. But Sonny's often considered on the short list of the greatest quarterbacks never to play in the Super Bowl. I did want to mention a couple... There's two different lists now. Two different lists. One is to play in the Super Bowl. One is to win the Super Bowl. That's right. And and I'm talking about... Philip Rivers never even got a chance to play in the Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. That's the list I want to talk about. The list of the greatest quarterbacks never to play in the Super Bowl. You know, Warren Moon didn't play in a Super Bowl. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yes, I understand. There are two different lists. 
and and that's what I want to talk about. But I wanted to just mention this real quickly because the knock on Philip Rivers obviously is he did not have postseason success. You know, he didn't get to a Super Bowl. He got to one AFC championship game and he had to play it on a torn ACL. You know, he also had some incredibly some some real bad luck with some of the Marty teams in particular. You know, that 2006 his very first playoff game was the game against the Patriots in San Diego where the game was locked up on a Marlon McCree interception, and instead of just going down, he tried to make a run back, and he fumbled it back to the Patriots on the interception, and Brady went down and won the game. <clears throat> you know, tied it, and then they won, they, they won it. That, that was unfortunate. It certainly wasn't Rivers' fault that they didn't advance to the AFC Championship game, where, by the way, and um, I was reminded of this by somebody on Twitter um, and and I went back and looked this up, and it's true. You know, he had very good success against Peyton Manning and the Colts, including two wins against the Colts in the postseason. They beat Indianapolis in 2008, the year that they got to the AFC title game, when Indianapolis was the one seed, and they beat them at Indy. 28-24. He also beat them in a wild card round game in San Diego. One of the reasons, and I went back and looked at this, and this was somebody who tweeted me this, Ron Rivera was the DC for those teams, for some of those teams in San Diego. That's right. And he said yes, Ron, Ron Rivera was very much given credit back then. I didn't know this, okay? very much uh, was given a ton of credit in his years in San Diego for really understanding how to defend Peyton Manning. That for whatever reason, he was the D coordinator for a couple of those years and a couple of those wins, and he was the linebackers coach, but he was a big part of understanding how to defend Peyton Manning. I don't know what his record was as Carolina's coach against – Peyton Manning. But anyway, um, that's just as an aside. The point is is that Rivers, you know, beat Peyton Manning in some playoff games head to head. I think he was 2 and 0 against Peyton Manning um in the postseason. Um and that year the first playoff game was terrible luck. The 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 game where they lost with North Turner uh, to the Jets at home um, was really unfortunate because I think there was a missed field goal that that uh, would have forced overtime. Rivers was pretty good in that game. Anyway, to the conversation. You agree he's a Hall of Famer. I agree he's a Hall of Famer. Marino, to me, is the greatest quarterback never to win the Super Bowl. Um, you can put Sonny on that. Uh, you can put uh, Tarkington on that list, Jim Kelly on that list. Um uh, who else? Um, in terms of guys that got to the to, to the big game, that that would be the short list, right? Marino and Kelly, one two of the guys yeah. that got to the uh, Super. Tarkington, Tarkington he, didn't win it. Tarkington. That would. Tark, I would rank Tarkington ahead of Jim Kelly on the list of great quarterbacks. He got. Four, uh, did he get three chances with Minnesota? Right. Because yeah. he wasn't on the Joe, the Joe Cap team. Minnesota lost four Super yeah. Bowls, but Cap lost the right. first one. Tarkington lost yeah. the next but, three, right? Yeah, but as generally, as if you were ranking quarterbacks, period, Tarkington's ahead of Jim Kelly. Okay. That's all. I can go with that. So Marino, Tarkington, Kelly as the three greatest never 
to get to the Super Bowl but not win it. To me, Marino's easy number one ahead of Tarkington yes. and Kelly. You agree with that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So now let's talk about the list of quarterbacks that never got to the Super Bowl. Rivers might be number one on that list. Unless you, I think Warren Moon's number uh, it's, one. Okay. Like said. I, w- I would say it's either Moon or Rivers. <clears throat> no. I, w- I would say to you there's another one in the mix, and ironically, it's from the same franchise, and that's Dan Fouts. Uh, yes, but Rivers, I think, is a better quarterback than Fouts. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't think so. I Look, Fouts had unbelievable teams, Tommy. Unbelievable teams. Uh, he, Rivers wasn't on anywhere near the teams that Fouts was on with the weapons Fouts had. Nowhere near. I, I, look, Fouts, Fouts is definitely in the conversation. I would not have him ahead of Rivers. I would have. I think you can make the case for Warren Moon to be ahead of Rivers, definitely of the quarterbacks that never made it to the Super Bowl. But I've got Rivers ahead of Fouts. Fouts, okay. ha- Fouts had unbel- those teams that Fouts had. They should have gone to the Super Bowl. They should. Some of those teams should have won the Super Bowl. I know he lost two AFC title games, one of them in minus 59 wind chill in Cincinnati. You know, after the, the week after beating the Dolphins in that famous game in the Orange Bowl, you know, the 41-38 overtime game. Um, right. And he also lost to the Raiders in San Diego in an AFC title game the year that the Raiders ended up beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl as a wild card team. But I, I think Rivers was a better quarterback than Fouts. Fouts would be on that list, though. You're right. You know, um, Fouts would be on that list. I, I was I started to make a list, and I actually forgot Fouts on the list. But you're right. Fouts would be right there at three behind Moon and Rivers. Let me tell you some of the other people I put on the list. I put Randall Cunningham on the list. Yes. I think Randall, Randall Cun- Cunningham is what is – one of the greatest football offensive football players I've ever seen in my lifetime. I think Rand- I think he is. I think he was so good at times and had so many good years, including, by the way, the '98 Minnesota team that he played on with Randy Moss, where Gary Anderson missed the the, the chip shot field goal that cost Minnesota a trip to the Super Bowl. Atlanta ended up going to the Super Bowl, um, and you know, obviously, he you know with uh, with Buddy, they never got to a championship game, but they were in the playoffs a ton. I thought of him. Uh, I thought of, and I hate to do this because it's just going to give, you know. Clay and some of the cowboy guys out there fodder, but Tony Romo's on a top 10 list of quarterbacks that never made the Super Bowl. If you just look at his numbers, he is. You're right. I think you're right. Those were the names. I mean, everyone talks about about Jim Kelly with Buffalo. Before Jim Kelly, Joe Ferguson was a very good quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Listen to the playoffs. Multiple times. O.J. Simpson was the, the, the he had O.J. Joe Ferguson. Yeah, he had O.J. No, the electric no, no, company. No, no, no. After that, I look. I remember Buffalo and the Jets playing in the playoffs when Joe Ferguson was the quarterback and O.J. was long gone. No, you're the, right from the, from the football field. Yeah, but the, the the teams that Buffalo went and played ball, uh, they played the uh, they played the Steelers one year in in the postseason. Um, they made some postseason games with with OJ, didn't they? 
I remember them playing the Chargers with like Joe Cribs. And so that would have been a Ferguson team, I think. Um, Burt Jones? Uh, I'm sorry? Burt Jones? Burt Jones never pl- uh, never quarterback to championship team. By the way, of course, Sonny was a given in this conversation, just so everybody knows. Sonny did not. But Sonny st- has a championship ring. Yeah, but he he didn't start. Kilmer was the starter. I know. You know, you want to you want to put Kilmer into the conversation? Well, he got to a Super Bowl as a starter. My fault. Sonny to me right. isn't counted as a quarterback that got to a Super Bowl. He was a he was not. You know, he was, couldn't play that year. He was hurt in 72, the year that they got to the championship game and went to the Super Bowl. It's too bad because they probably would have won it with a healthy Sonny. Who else are we forgetting? That was my list. Uh, And we're we're talking about Super Bowl era quarterbacks, obviously. Anybody else? I mean, Rivers and Moon are one, two on that list, whatever order you want to put them in. I think Dan Fouts is is, is is in in that trio. Okay. Um... All right, let's get your champion. He's in the Hall of Fame. I know he is, and so is Rivers going to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, let's get your championship picks right after this word from one of our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. One more thing real quickly, Tommy, before we get to your championship picks, because um, I was just looking this up. Uh, so Breeze and Rivers are going to be in the same first class. So if you want to say, well, obviously Breeze goes before Rivers, which is 100% true. I'm not going to debate that. Um, that you're not putting both of them in in the same class. Well, Steve Young and Dan Marino went in in the same class. Now, it would have been hard. I mean, they're, they're both a lock first ballot guys and Rivers is much more and I I will concede this he's much more of a debatable first ballot guy but I don't think he's debatable as a Hall of Famer I I personally don't like I you know in looking at like some of the um, all-time leaders you know passing leaders you know he's fifth on on the list of career passing yards um, right now he's ahead of Marino uh, Roethlisberger could pass him if he plays another year. Matt Ryan will pass him. That's going to be an interesting guy, Matt Ryan. You know, uh, he went to a Super Bowl and should have won a Super Bowl. And by the way, was an MVP. That's going to be an interesting Hall of Fame conversation about Matt Ryan. Um, he'll pass uh, Rivers. He's 8,000 yards behind him. 
But after that, not a lot of guys going to pass him. The next guy that's still playing, um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, is 12,000 passing yards behind Phillip Rivers. Uh, he'll probably pass him if you think he's got, you know, three years left. Um, Matt Stafford is 18,000 yards behind Phillip Rivers. Rivers is going to remain, I guess my point is, in the top seven or eight of passing yardage guys for a long time. Long time. It's hard to keep those people out of the Hall of Fame because in front of them, Breeze, Brady, Peyton uh, are locks. Favre's already in it. And then behind him, Marino's in it. Roethlisberger will be. Eli will be. Elway is 10. He's in. You know, you're going to get to the point where he are you, is he really going to be the only guy in your top 10 of passing yardage that isn't in the Hall of Fame? He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I've gotten some pushback on that. He will be. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting is that the uh, – you remember the controversial deal that brought Eli Manning to the Giants yeah. and uh, wound up Rivers to San Diego would have both those quarterbacks making the Hall of Fame. I'll ask you the question that I asked Ross Tucker um, this morning on the radio show. If you could go into the 2004 draft right now, knowing what Rivers, Roethlisberger, and Eli, you know, the kind of players they were, but not knowing their playoff success, just knowing their regular season success and the kind of players they were qualitatively, what order does the draft go in with those three? I would put Rivers number one. I put Roethlisberger number two, and and Eli number three. Eli's definitely number three. I think Ben goes number one, but not by a whole lot over Rivers. And I think a lot of you listening would say, "Are you guys insane?" Roethlisberger's the easy number one. Um, and and look, Roethlisberger had some unbelievable seasons. I mean, playing at a super, super high level. I get that. Um, and so did Rivers, though. So did Rivers. Uh, and, and yeah. again, Roethlisberger probably played on better teams. But I think I, w- I think I would probably go Ben 1, Phillip Rivers 2. Look, the one thing about Rivers, and I'll concede this, I just loved his style. I loved what Belichick said about him many years ago that Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers are the two quarterbacks in the history of the game or in this era that have been have controlled the game at the line of scrimmage more than any other quarterbacks. I don't know if that was a slight at Brady or a slam at Brady. I don't think it was, but Belichick loved Rivers. Um, uh, but I think Ben won Rivers. Uh, Probably Ben won over Rivers. All right, um, two championship games. Let's go with the assumption that Mahomes is going to play. Um, let's start with that one, which is the last one. Give me your pick on Kansas City-Buffalo. Kansas City right now is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, I'm going to go with Kansas City. I'm going to if, – if, if Mahomes plays and is, is, is capable of playing, uh, I'm gonna, that's the easy one. I'm going to go with Kansas City. Uh I think Buffalo has the uh, is in the situation where you know they will benefit from getting this far when they take the field next year. But uh, so they're sort of like where Kansas City was before Kansas City wound up, you know, getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. I think there's a lot to that in terms of progressing in, 
in your playoff experience. So I just don't think Buffalo is, is ready to be the Cinderella yet at this point playing Kansas City. I'm going with Kansas City if Mahomes – why would anyone think Mahomes did not suffer a concussion when he could barely stand? Um, there's the, the Dr. David Chow wrote about some sort of um, carotid artery uh, thing with the way his neck got twisted, that it, it's not a serious thing that happened to him at all, um, but it does cause some sort of reaction that's similar to, you know, a boxer being dazed. I don't know, Tommy. Okay. Whatever. Um, the right. uh, Real quickly, before we get to your NFC thing, number one is I think you're right about the progression. You know, Kansas City lost to New England in that AFC title game at Arrowhead and then won it last year and are back again this year. And maybe that's the uh, – the, the, this is the step. Buffalo lost a playoff game last year. They won a playoff – they win two playoff games this year. Um, I think they have a really good chance. I really do think Buffalo has a chance. But that may be the way it goes. Um, before we get to the NFC Championship pick from you, uh, this segment is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. Now, I'm looking at uh, the lines right now on MyBookie. Kansas City's minus three. Um, over Buffalo, the total's 53 and a half. I'll have a smell test tomorrow. Um, but my bookie's got an online casino, an online race book. As I've mentioned to you before, even if you have a site, you should have a second just for comparison shopping purposes. You should know that the line you're getting for the game that you want to bet on is the best possible line. And you're going to get you know free money. They're going to match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. So go to MyBookie, MyBookie.ag. You can totally trust MyBookie. Um, fair lines, fair pricing. You get paid if you win. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. Right now on MyBookie, Green Bay's up to a minus 3.5 point favorite. They're also minus 120 on that. So you got to pay double juice on a loss. Um, which typically you have to do if you're laying two and a half. Uh, they're begging for some Tampa action uh, on this um, at minus three and a half. Uh, Tampa plus three and a half. Who do you like in this one? Can we say, look, not, not that there's been much debate uh, anymore, but if Tom Brady manages to beat Aaron Rodgers in this NFC title game, then it's over the debate about the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, I think it's, it is I think it's been over, over anyway. Uh, well, you still have, I mean, people will argue that, you know, Montana never lost a playoff game, mm-hmm. won four Super Bowls and never lost one. Montana's uh, got 16 playoff wins. Brady just had his 32nd. I get that. But Montana is undefeated in the playoffs, and that counts for something. Okay. So, uh... Well, I mean, you know, he's, un- he's, undefe- he's undefeated in the Super Bowl. He's not, undefeated in the Super Bowl. Yeah, not, the, right, not, not the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, his playoff record right. was 16 and 7. Brady's is, yeah. is 32 and 11. That's pretty good. <laughs> he's played Look, 43 playoff games. I know. I think Brady's the best. But this, I think, would elevate him to uh, a level we've never seen before. Because no one expects right. Brady to beat. Uh, Rodgers on, on Sunday. No one expects Tampa to beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Sure they do. You? Uh, oh, I think they absolutely can. They're only no. a, they're they're only a three point dog. The action's well, completely split. I've got, I've heard a lot of experts picking Tampa. 
I mean experts, so-called experts. We're experts, goddammit. Based on what? What do you mean based on what? They just went to New Orleans and won. They won two road playoff games. They're peaking uh, right New now. New Orleans was playing with a quarterback true. who couldn't throw 10 yards. That's true. They, You know what? They also, I really think New Orleans' defense and overall team minus the quarterback was the best team um, in the NFC. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But, I mean, you know, Tampa Bay uh, has now won six in a row, and it's Tom Brady. And, sure, a lot of people are giving Tampa a shot. The line oh, is three. It's going to be 21 nothing before you go to the bathroom for the first time. Green Bay? Yes. Okay. I, I, I sort of feel like it's an Aaron Rodgers year, too, but no result. Actually, none, no result this weekend is going to surprise me. No team winning either game is going to surprise me. You know, the one thing about Tampa Bay, Tommy, is they're facing a team in Green Bay that's a much lesser team defensively than the team they just faced in New Orleans. And even the team they beat in the wild card round, Washington. It's going to be easier for Tampa's offense here in the postseason than it was in their first two postseason games. You can move the ball against but, yeah, Green but Bay. Tampa's offense can't, but I don't think Tampa, Tampa's offense – I mean, Green Bay's defense is their offense. They, they'll just keep putting points on the board. You mean, Green, you, you mean the opposite. Them. Green Bay's offense is their defense. Yeah. What did I say? Green Bay's defense is their offense. Well, that's not what I meant. You know that. I know that. I've known you for a long time. I know exactly what you're saying, even when the things that you say don't make any sense at all. <laughs> um, so who's your pick? You know, it's the if, Packers? If, 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 yeah. If Green Bay wins, and they will, this will mean, of course, the obvious, that three former Washington football assistant coaches I know. will have gone <laughs> – to the last three Super Bowls. Understood. Um, so you're, you're picking the Packers and you're taking the Packers minus the three. Yes. Okay. Um, it is Easy three. money. I, I did say three, right? No, three and a half. My fault. Three and a half. Um, so I think the more interesting question actually is not, you know, this solidifies Brady as the GOAT because he is the GOAT in my opinion. Um, he passed Elway for me a couple of years ago. The bigger question is, what if Rodgers loses this game? Rodgers then becomes a quarterback that has been to one Super Bowl, only one. He won it, thankfully for him, so he's not Marino. Um, but his his playoff record with a loss would be 12-9. and nine. Now, he's been great in these postseason games. Like, there hasn't been a game that's been on him that they've lost really, you know, last year. And by the way, he'd then be one and five in championship games. I believe it is. This is the first championship game. He is um, played at home. No, he's one in three right I now. Know. He's one in three in championship games. So he'd okay. become one in so four. This, 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 this table you're setting. If they lose, then he's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is considered one of the top five quarterbacks, maybe or six or seven of all time. He got to one Super Bowl. Two. Has a lousy playoff record. Two. He gets two. Two Super Bowls. Yeah. That's right, with Denver. Yeah. Has a lousy playoff record. Yeah, but he won two. Peyton Manning. He won two, even if you don't think his role in the second one was that significant. I'll just remind everybody, Denver didn't make the playoffs after Peyton retired after that year. But um, is he Peyton Manning? Peyton, you know, I always said about Peyton's playoff record, which um, – uh, his post uh, his postseason record. I'm looking it up right now because I want to make sure I have this right. 
because um, I think it was f- sub 500. No, the the win over Carolina made it 14 and 13 overall. And I'll tell you what, nobody lost more at home as like a, a very high seed than Peyton Manning did. Man, he lost a lot of games. Right. By the way, as I mentioned, one of them to Phillip Rivers at home. Um, one of them to Ben Roethlisberger at home um, in, a, in an early round game uh, when he was in Indy. Um, yeah, I, um, I don't know. Look, you know, Aaron Rodgers is way up there for me. Way up there. Even if he loses to Brady in the championship game. Peyton Manning is way up there. Even though he's got a 14 and 13 postseason record. I just know watching what I felt watching them. Like in so many ways in watching Aaron Rodgers, there really hasn't been anybody better than him at times during some of these years than Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. I I don't know if I've ever seen anyone throw the ball with less physical effort than Aaron Rodgers. It's the same way I feel about Marino. Like if you watched him, you know. You can you don't look. You can take Dan Marino's, you know, no Super Bowls and talk about him until you're blue in the face. If you watched uh, Dan Marino and you don't think he's one of the five, six, seven greatest quarterbacks that you've ever watched, I can't help you. I, I just I know what I watched when I watched Marino. He had. The best pocket presence, the best, greatest arm, the quickest release, um, was a leader. He had terrible teams that he was playing on for many of those years. It's like the Elway first few years when they went to the Super Bowl. He was getting to Super Bowls, Elway was, and losing them before he finally won them with a running game, and Shanahan is the coach, where it was all Elway. Well, it was all Marino. You know, I I'm I know what I've watched with Aaron Rodgers. Is he Brady's? If Brady loses, he's still the greatest of all time for me. It, it's just too overwhelming the the data. But in terms of of Rodgers being twelve and ten if he loses his game, or twelve and nine with with just one Super Bowl, I still know that Aaron Rodgers is one of the ten greatest quarterbacks I've ever watched play. Absolutely. And by the way, he's got more time. He's got more time. He's got more left in yeah. his career. I do sort of feel like it's his time this year again, but it's not going to shock me if Brady goes in there and wins, you know, in a cold, snowy Lambo, huh? It will shock me. All right. Um, All right. You got Kansas City, you got Green Bay, you got a rematch of Super Bowl one, Tommy. Uh, You were there for that one as a young cub reporter. Um, (laughs) We will talk on Tuesday. Thank you. Uh, back tomorrow, everybody with Cooley will preview both games and have Wait picks. a minute. Wait a minute. What? We didn't talk about our favorite island beer. Oh, yeah. Tommy told me that he was drinking Red Stripes down in Florida the last couple of days on beautiful days down in Florida. I The first time I ever drank Red Stripe was in the Cayman Islands on my honeymoon when you were there at the same time. We didn't know each other, but I was staying at the Grand Hyatt on Grand Cayman, and they were filming the movie The Firm. Um, And when I mentioned that to you a few years back, you're like, oh, my God, I was in the Cayman Islands that same week. Yeah, I was in the Holiday Inn where they were also filming The Firm because they filmed the Beast Bar episode at the Holiday Inn there. 
And that was following the 92 uh, season. I remember covering the Reds, Washington yeah. that year. And then uh, uh, taking vacation after that. And of all things, uh, running into Terry Orr in, 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 in the Cayman Islands, who I just covered uh, w- w- that, that season. Uh, but I didn't drink Red Stripe there. The first time I drank Red Stripe was maybe about seven or eight years ago in Jamaica. And I fell in love with it there. And last year, at the end of our Florida trip, we we went to Tybee Island, Georgia, mm-hmm. for a, about a week. And there, I was at a bar where they were selling 16-ounce cans of Red Stripe for $2 a can. Oh. And that, if that wasn't enough, the grocery store was selling those same 16-ounce cans of Red Stripe for a buck a can. What's your favorite cheap... I don't know how they did it. What's your favorite cheap beer of all time? Uh, probably Peel's Real Draft. Uh, everyone remember, I don't know if anyone remembers Peel's beer, but it was a big beer in the, in the six, 50s and 60s and early right. 70s. When I was in the fraternity, I used to buy Peel's Real Draft six-pack for $1.19 a six-pack. Um, mine was Milwaukee's Best. Uh, that was definitely the go-to college cheap beer. God, I drank a lot of Milwaukee's Best, and I drank a lot of Bush beer um, in college. Those were two good cheap beers. There were cheap beers that were just undrinkable, I thought. Like Schlitz was undrinkable for me. PBR, which has become very popular in recent years um, with younger people, I couldn't drink PBR. I liked yeah, Roll- I, I liked drank- Rolling Rock. I thought Rolling Rock was well, a Rolling good cheap. Bo- Rolling Rock was kind of a cool thing to drink back yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, the you know? scene that they filmed when I was at the um, uh, on Grand Cayman was the scene with uh, Gene Hackman and Gene Triplehorn when they were, you know, when she was drugging his, you know, drink and trying to get all the information out of him. That was the scene down right. at the pool. And my wife and I, on our honeymoon, sat on our balcony and watched them film that scene. It was pretty cool. Um, had no idea uh, and had not read the books yet, I don't think. Um, you know, the Grisham, uh, that was that may have been Grisham's first book that got turned into a movie. I think it may have been. Um, anyway, we're done for the day. Uh, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Thanks. Okay, boss. All right, back tomorrow. Bye. Back tomorrow with Cooley. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.